Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Hey, we're going to get into God's word today. I love God's word. This is a God's word church, just so you know what that means. That's not an official thing. That just means we like God's word. We're going to go into God's word. That's where we're getting all the stuff is from God's word because God's word powerfully transforms us when we open our hearts to it. And today I want to talk to you about urgency in moving forward in the will of God. We were going to start this new series called Misfit Messiah. And I know I said we were going to, but because I'm the pastor, I get to say what we're not going to do. Instead, we're going to do this thing. We're going to start that next week, but sometimes... You, you, parents, you probably know about this. Sometimes you just kind of know, and I'm not trying to patronize you, but as the pastor, sometimes the Lord, he just gives you a, a daddy's heart for everybody, okay? And so sometimes you just know as a parent, they need something else right now. The kid needs something different than what I was gonna do. So I really believe we need this message. Many in this room, many of you watching online, maybe if in the future you're listening to this podcast, I believe it's an anointed right on time, right now word for you. But we're in the midst of a lot of change. We're kind of coming through and kind of getting through maybe a season of some change, but things are just so different than they used to be. You hear about, you know, kind of like the reshuffling of the deck. People are, there's mass exoduses out of work and maybe looking for other places of employment. People are, people are mobile in different ways now. Like people are just moving. They're like, well, look, I'm just gonna work from home and that's just gonna be my deal. And all kinds of things are just changing about the culture. And sometimes it's hard to catch up. It's hard to know like what's true. It's, it's hard to know who should get to say what and do what. And when we're in the midst of change like this, Sometimes it leads to paralyzation. It leads to the sense of like, I, I, there's so much that I don't even know what happens if I change this that I'm afraid to do anything. And sometimes when we allow paralyzation or the fear of what might happen, when we allow that to get on the inside of us, it produces this stagnation. It produces this feeling of stuck. It feels like, now, now take it out of the big world context and let's just put it in our lives. Sometimes there's stuff that, we kind of feel like maybe we're supposed to do, but we're not sure if we're supposed to do it. And so then we just do nothing, hoping that uh, maybe it'll just be super obvious later if I'm supposed to do stuff. And here's the reality, man. If we're going to follow Jesus Christ, there's going to be times and seasons where God is saying, now it's time to move forward on this thing. Now it's time to take a step of faith. Okay, you've heard about it. You know about it. You had time to think about it, but now it's time to do it. Lot and his wife and his family, they were told by the angels Angels themselves showed up and they're like, hey, I know you've, you, you know, you kind of have put up with a lot of stuff living here. You're comfortable in this sometimes and you're uncomfortable in this sometimes. Sometimes you can be both comfortable and uncomfortable in a certain situation. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, I, I, I can get used to this, but I don't want it, but I do. That's kind of where Lot and his wife and their daughters were. And they were warned, okay, God's done here. God's done. He gave this this people a long time to turn away from their sin. We, the Bible doesn't say how long, but typically in the Old Testament, it was like God gave them hundreds of years to turn around. And God's done with Sodom and Gomorrah now. And I'm telling you, it's time to move. Let's pick it up right here in Genesis 19, 12. Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot. These are servants of God, okay? They sometimes appear human as they do in this narrative, but they, they questioned Lot. They said, do you have any other relatives here in the city? They asked, get them out of this place your sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else, for we are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great that it has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, quick, get out of the city, the Lord is about to destroy it. 
But the young man thought he was only joking. I don't know how he said this. How do you even say that, that someone thinks you're joking? I don't know. But verse 15, at dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now or you'll be swept away in the destruction of this city. When Lot hesitated, somebody say hesitated. He hesitated. He's been warned, he's been told. He knows and understands it's time to go, but no, he hesitates. There's something inside of him that's clinging, but I know this and I'm comfortable with this and I'm familiar with this. And he hesitates. The angel seized his hands and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city for the Lord was merciful. I'm so thankful that the Lord is merciful. Sometimes when, when we're just like not getting it, the Lord will just move in our lives without us. Like he'll just change circumstances and push us into something. You know, sometimes the job will change or something will happen at school or something will go on that, okay, God, look, man, maybe you knew about it, maybe you didn't, but now God is changing it because God is a God of change. Verse, we're gonna skip down to verse 24. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them along with all the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back. Someone said, look back looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. Man, this is dramatic stuff here. We're not gonna spend a lot of time talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. We're really talking about Lot and his wife, okay? So there's a lot that we could say about this. Some, you know, folks, scholars, they debate, what was this thing that fire fell from the sky? Was it a natural cause? Was it just that, you know, uh, some claim that there's deposits in the earth of magnesium and calcium chloride and sodium and, and, and they, they posit, hey, if if there was an earthquake and things mixed just the right way, that would cause an explosion. Those things would ignite and maybe that would do it. But see, here's the thing. When you're God, you have the benefit. You can use either natural laws or supernatural laws. It really doesn't matter which one because if you're God, you invented all of it. You can just do whatever you want. And certainly in other parts of the Bible, God literally just sends fire. Like when Elijah's taken on the 400 prophets, just So it doesn't matter that we can't explain it. God is God. That's part of what the Bible is telling us is there's a supernatural God. And he does what he thinks is appropriate. So this whole place blows. And I want to make sure we understand, because in the Hebrew, it's not really the sense that Lot's wife just, just glanced around. Like she just, are you serious? All she does is look over her shoulder and boom, she turns to salt. No, it's much more like she probably went back. She like, she went to check it out, okay? She turned around in the sense of like, I don't know about this. I, I need to go check again. And that was too late. And here's the point. I mean, here's what God is trying to get to us through this. When God is ready to move on, if we don't move on, we may lose the opportunity to move on. When God is ready to move on, if we don't move on, we may lose the opportunity to move on. So God wants us, if we're, if we're gonna be Christ followers, and I understand not everybody is, but if you are, we're gonna come to junctures where he says, don't linger, don't hesitate, don't look back. Move on with what you know to do. When God says go, go. Let's say that together. When God says go, go. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look at some of the things we know God has said. You could apply this sermon to really anything that you're thinking about doing. So I just wanna put a caution out here, okay? Like if you're thinking about doing something crazy, all right, don't say, well, Carter preached me a word about just doing it, so I'm just gonna do it. That's probably not God, okay? Um, let's just... I'm not saying God might not be leading you to do stuff, and certainly there's times in our lives there's something very specific for us, but we're just gonna look at the scriptures. We're just gonna look at different little scenes inside scripture where God has made it clear what he wants his people to do, 
and we're going to receive some urgency from him. When God says go, go. When you know enough, do it. So let's pull up the fierce pathway that many of you have seen out in the hall or you've seen it online. I don't know if you know this or not, but this is a map. This is a picture that is inspired to keep us moving. When, I, when you see this, I want you to think, keep, keep moving. Keep going around the clock, so to speak. Keep progressing. And we're going to go through each one of these things today. We're going to start with engage. And I'm going to drop you in. We're going we're gonna to quantum leap. I don't know if you remember the show Quantum Leap. Anybody? Okay. Might be too old for some of you. But what happened is Scott Bakula, I don't even know what his name was in the show, but he would time travel like zoom, leap into a new time, and he was like in a new body, okay? And he had some kind of like moral dilemma or problem to solve while he's in this time, but he comes in not knowing what's going on. So he takes like half every episode to figure out where am I and what am I doing? And we're gonna, it's gonna feel like quantum leap for you for a second because I'm gonna give you just enough context for us to see what scene we're in and then we're gonna draw a lesson and then we're gonna leap out. All right, so we're gonna start with engage and really it's, it's engaged in pursuing Jesus. When you think about engage, here's what I want, to th- want you to think about. Think about a spark. Just <laughs> Think about an engine starting to hum alive, okay? Now, th- okay, it went from inactivity to activity. Now there's life being breathed into this thing. And this is urgently seeking to know Jesus Christ through his word. That's what engaged is all about. It's urgently seeking to know Jesus. Let's jump. We're going to leap into Jesus meeting with Mary and Martha in Bethany. Bethany was a place he visited all the time. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, they're like inner circle type friends of his. And he, we're, we're leaping in there. He's, he's visiting for dinner. Verse 38, chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. You ever use that voice with the Lord? I think it's funny how, I don't know if you've done this, but I haven't used that voice, but I've literally like, I've blamed God that what I want to happen isn't happening. And that's kind of what she's doing. She's like accusing Jesus. She's not even just accusing Mary. She's accusing Jesus. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach. Martha, she, she's in the background, man. And I, I, I suspect she could hear Jesus. You know what I'm saying? She's probably like in the other room, moving pots and pans around or whatever. She's like, I'm, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm just doing something. And I don't know why Mary gets to just sit there, but Mary wanted the right thing. Now, now we, we could say, Martha, hey, good, good. it's awesome that you want to serve, but you've got so much anxiety on the inside of you. You're so like messed up with your priorities right now that you're missing the living word of God, Jesus Christ, as he teaches, and you are just missing it. And, and the, the lesson that God wants to make sure that we understand with this particular engage step is Service is good and service is important, but relationship with Jesus always comes first. Relationship with Jesus always comes first. First and foremost, whatever else we do, if we're going to be urgent about God's will, whatever we're going to do urgently, he says, urgently seek to know Jesus through his word. That's the first thing that you do. Move on when God is moving. Move into this phase of seeking to understand and know Jesus Christ. And that's something that all of us need to hear again and again as we go through life. Hey man, urgently now. You already know to do this, now do this. If you're hearing it for the first time, okay, now you know. 
God, God wants you to urgently seek to hear Jesus' voice through the scriptures. Sometimes you do that on your own. Sometimes you do that at church. Why does he want us to do that? Well, here's one of the reasons. It's not the only reason, but he wants us to do it because he knows God has apportioned everybody a certain amount of trial and a certain amount of difficulty. And here's what we know. The closer you are to Jesus when you're not in a trial, the easier it is to access his presence and his comfort when you are in the trial. See, trials, and when I say trials, I mean difficulty, stuff that's going wrong on earth, okay? Stuff that's just messing with you. Little things that go wrong in your life. When we're not particularly close to Jesus, all the worst comes out of us, right? I mean, that's when your language changes for the worse. That's when, you know, your, your mind is just spinning in directions that are darker and you're just getting focused. You might, you know, want to medicate with this or that, or you're putting, you know, confidence in different friends or whatever. And God says, I already know when all your trials are going to happen. I promise you, if you just work on getting closer to me a little bit every day, by the time you get in that trial, it's not that you won't have it, but it'll be much more tolerable because you'll, have, you'll feel already connected to me. You'll feel like God's already speaking. I already know his promises. I'm already confessing. Yes, this is hard, but here's what God's word says. It'll be harder for the enemy to pull a fast one on me. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7. He told everybody, hey, man, make sure you're the kind of man or woman that's building your house on the rock. Because if you build it on the sand, and the sand is just anything other than Jesus Christ. Building your house on the rock means I'm building my entire life with Jesus Christ and his word center, first, the primary thing. So that when the winds come, and they do come, and the waves try to blow everything down, it's not just blowing all my sand castles down. I'm still fine and dandy on the rock. So one of the places you do that, obviously here is on Sunday, for everybody who's tuning in, everybody who's here. This is where you're going to come, and we're going to focus all of us on Jesus. And I'm going to try my best to give you a good hearty meal in the word. Okay, that means we're going to go thick. I'm going to challenge you to know Christ. We're not just going to have, you know, kind of like a patty cake you know, lame little poem message. We're not doing that stuff, okay? We're gonna get into God's word and get fierce about it. And that's really good. But then there's another part. The second step of that is for each one of us to develop from wherever we're starting, I'm just gonna start spending a little time with Jesus every day or a little more time with Jesus every day. I'm gonna make it so it's the first thing. It's the primary thing. It's my thing. And I'm gonna watch out like like Martha needed to watch out. I'm gonna run the other way from distraction. See, see, because again, Martha could have said, look, I'm listening, Lord, I'm, 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 you know, I'm cooking, whatever I'm doing, I, I can hear you. And so many of us, sometimes we're trying to have a little bit of time with God, but we're doing that with everything else we're doing. And we got to understand, no, honey, I, I get it, but that, you're just Martha-ing. You're not marrying at that point. So we got to watch out. What we got to do is have a couple upgrades to how we try to do this. So anybody know what a Mario mushroom is? Okay. It's not a bad kind of mushroom. It's a good kind. It's a digital kind. When you play Super Mario, I don't know why, but you eat mushrooms and you get big, okay? And then you can, like, you can tackle the level a little bit easier. We need to take some Super Mario mushrooms when it comes to how we're seeking God. So here's a couple mushrooms. One is prayer. But I don't just mean go pray. I mean pray that you would better prioritize time with God. We're saying, God, God, would you come into my time with God and make it more effective? But if you, don't, if you have prayer, but you don't have the second one, practice, you're not going to get very far. Because when we pray, God says, okay, I'm anointing you to have a better time spending time with me. But until you practice, you're not going to get much better at it. So we pray and we practice and we turn off the TV 
and we shut down the computer or we throw our phone across the room, whatever we gotta do to not be distracted like Martha so we can focus exclusively on Jesus. I said it last week, but I wanna make sure everyone understands there is no limit on how many amens you can give during the worship experience at Fierce, okay? You can just give as many as you want. Now, some say, Carter, I've done that. Like, I tried that. I'm one of the, I'm one of those, I tried and it just didn't work. Hey, cool. Do it again. <laughs> Try it again. Just jump in it again. No one has to do perfect. No one, Jesus isn't asking anyone, like, to be there. He's just asking us to progress. He's just saying, just take another step. So let me ask you, are you hesitating? Are you lingering? Don't linger. Don't hesitate. Don't rethink it. When you know that God is challenging you to go, just go. When God says go, just go. So we're urgent about being engaged, and then we're going to go base two. We're urgent about being established, and established particularly in deeper friendships. Established, if you can look at that fierce pathway again. Now we're moving down to three o'clock this is where we get established. So you're, you're coming in, you're, you're, say you're a brand new Christian, you're just figuring this stuff out. First, what, what we're saying is your map is start with building your foundation with Jesus. Then move on to you're gonna need to be engaged, established with others in deepening friendships. Think about, here's a visual for you. We're pouring wet cement when we're establishing a foundation of fellowship. We're pouring wet cement to make sure things are going to harden in such a way that we're very strong. Our roots, another would be our roots are going down deep, not just into God's word, but into God's people. Okay, we're going to quantum leap. We're going to quantum leap right over to Solomon. Solomon is the writer of many of the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, richest man, wisest man on the earth when he's writing. And he, this is telling that he would say this. He's, dude, he's got all the money he needs, but even he knows you're going to need people. You can't just be a self-made man or woman. So this is what he says in Ecclesiastes 4. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help him, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You're in real trouble. There's no Christianity in the New Testament that is solo. There's things you do solo, like prayer and time with God, but the entire thing isn't solo. It's got to be with people. And Solomon says, if you're alone, man, you're in real trouble. And the reason you're in real trouble is because, baby, when something goes wrong, when the hardships of life start to make you tired and depressed and lonely and you're getting in your own head and you're not making very wise decisions anymore, when all that's happening, nobody knows where you are. You're just out there in a canyon somewhere alone. And that's not God's way. That's not God's will. He wants us to have lots of folks who have our back. And so it takes, it takes a long time, man. There's no microwave relationships. Everybody know that? Like, like if you, I mean, you can pretend to be close, but if you're really gonna get close to people, it's little deposits. It just means you demonstrate love little at a time, day by day, week by week, year by year, and slowly you begin to develop rich friendships. But if we don't do that, we're gonna find ourselves out in the cold. Verse 11, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Believe it or not, this is not sexual in nature, okay? We probably think that from the 21st century. But anybody who's ever, you know, you had to camp out and maybe you didn't even have a tent, you're just like on the trail. If you've got siblings, you ever camped out even with a buddy, like, you know, hey man, let's just, 
All right, I like you a little, but let's just, you know, let's just cuddle up here because we're going to stay warmer. And God says there's a spiritual principle there because alone you're going to get cold and your spiritual temperature is going to go down and the little flame is going to get smaller and smaller because you and I all need sometimes affection from other people. It is God's affection, but it's through other people. We all need somebody to just flat tell us the truth sometimes. And if we're not there, they can't tell us the truth. We need other people's wisdom. And check this out. You and I both need to learn about God's personality through other personalities. I remember when I was a real young Christian, man, I was just like, I'm just going to figure all of it out. Like, I'm just going to know all the things of God, so I don't need any other people. That is so redonkulous and arrogant, okay? I know that you know well, quite a bit about God, probably many of you. But dude, you can never exhaust the riches of knowing who God is. And we don't just need God's book, we need God's people. We're gonna be living epistles that are read by everybody. We need God's people to understand. And also, this is how it plays out. That's what God's personality actually looks like when he does this. Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Obviously, that triple-braided cord could be interpreted as us and then God as well. But really, all, all God is saying is here, hey, man, you're better off with numbers. Like, battle's inevitable. You're going to run into stuff that is just hard, and anybody knows this. If you just have more soldiers on the field, you're more likely to win. If there's just more people who have your back, you're more likely to make it through. The rain is coming. Let's say that you bought a house today. When is the best time to put a roof on that house? Yesterday? If not yesterday, if it's too late, today. If you can't do it today, do it tomorrow. The point is, as soon as you doggone possibly can, you need to build that roof. As soon as you and I doggone possibly can, we need to build relational networks. We need just more people, man. Even if it's just one, just one person. I love watching, so we did a men's breakfast yesterday, and it was the second one we did. And I just noticed just a little bit. I'm like, you know, because guys are awkward sometimes, a lot of the time. They don't know what to do. You know, you get girls together and like, you know, they like, they're all happy, you know, and giddy and super like transparent about how they're feeling. The guys are like, hey, what's up? You know, they don't want to, they don't even know what to do. And yet yesterday, because it's the second one, I'm like, they're, I can tell in the room, people are a little bit more comfortable. I can see it's just a little bit easier because they already had breakfast once before together. Now they're doing it again. At the Grove, okay, when we started the Grove in January, there was some people that were super open at the beginning, but most people were like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm dipping my toe in the water and slowly over the weeks as people begin to say this or say that, over time they start to feel more safe until finally, you know, you get this far into it and like, okay, I'm ready to talk now. I'm ready to tell you all my stuff. Well, my, my point is, guys, that just takes a long time. You can't just have that. God wants it for us, but it has to be built slowly and it has to be built in faith. So I, I just want to let you know, our church right now, we got to grow warmer through fellowship. That's what we got to do. And that kind of like fell off during COVID. Like we didn't even know what to, we tried digital groups and that didn't work all that great. You know what I'm saying? So we were getting an F in this for a while. And now that we're back together, guys, we got to go deep. We got to do summer suppers this this summer. We got to do everything we can to be together and investing relationally because then we're strong. Somebody say strong. Hey, let me ask you, are you hesitating? You holding back? Are you just like, I don't know, I'm comfortable here. Hey, I just want to challenge you. Don't think, don't think too hard. Just go. Just do it. Just 
get out of, you know, get out of wherever you were and get into God's will. Just do it. Sometimes we just, dude, don't, like, don't give the devil a year to talk you out of God's will. Just go. Y'all screaming? All right. Let's be urgent about being engaged, established, and then number three, equipped. Number three, equipped. And it's, it's really equipped to build with care. Okay, so this is, this is the stage where we're kind of like being introduced to our weapons. And we're, we're going to the weapon table and we're like, I want to try this one out. I want to I see which one I can use. Or maybe it's not a weapon. Maybe you change the metaphor and it's a tool. It's a tool for building. But we're all going to the table and we're like, okay, which one of these can I use? And maybe you figure you can use one a little for now and then you get more proficient in one later. God wants his kingdom built and he wants it built with care. So we're going to quantum leap into the Corinthian church. Okay, so in Corinth, it's an, agri- agri- an agrarian society. Okay, so they know about, hey, man, everybody's working on the crops, and then, you know, once a year, we're all going to go out, and we're all going to, like, bring in these crops. And, and people might do different things. They might, some might water, and some might plant, and we've got specialists over here and specialists over here, but everybody's involved in bringing in the crop. And Paul uses this argument, he uses this metaphor to say, this is what it's supposed to be like in the body of Christ. Let's listen to him. First, thir- uh, first Corinthians 3. Verse eight, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. Like it's all about bringing in, in the crops and they, can each, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. He says, everybody's kind of doing the same thing. It's one mission for God, but everybody has different parts. Everybody has different labor. And he's just saying, and Jesus is out there with a notebook and he's just watching. He's taking notes. Everybody's gonna be rewarded according to their own labor. He says, I wanna know when, when, when y'all get to heaven, you get to heaven by grace through faith. But when you get there, he says, got these notes about how much you prioritized my kingdom, about how much you prioritized the building of my kingdom so that people could come into saving relationship with Christ. For we're, co- we're co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By grace, God has given me. I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Build with care urgently build with care. Don't postpone this conversation. Don't wait, ah, wait another 10 years before I really start to think about that. No, don't, don't, don't postpone it, don't stay here. The angels are showing up and they're like, hey, hey, eyes on this thing, okay? It doesn't have to be all that you ever do, but you should think about it now. Timothy, a disciple of Paul, Paul's encouraging him about his gifts. First Timothy 4, 14, do not neglect the spiritual gift you've received through prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. That's one way, that's a unique way that sometimes God imparts spiritual gifts. But according to 1 Corinthians, God imparts spiritual gifts to everybody that trusts Christ. So Paul says, hey man, don't neglect it. And then he says, verse 15, give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Everyone will see your progress. Throw yourself in. Give your attention to this. Now again, he doesn't say, do it perfectly. He says, but if you're just paying attention to yourself, you should be able to tell I'm getting a little better at this. Like as time goes by, I'm growing in my capacity to utilize my spiritual gifts in such a way that other people are built up and encouraged. And there's lots of different ways that works. Maybe for some, you've got great gifts of helps. Okay, you you do great. You want to be at coffee and donuts down the hall. And like you just like to help people. Yeah, you like to like hand them a donut. Like that's your thing. And what you're doing is you're really contributing to God's house and making it a warm and inviting space for people to meet Christ. Maybe for you, building and grounds is your thing. Like, I love to get out my hands in the dirt. And that's the kind of thing, whether you know it or not, that's not just dirt. It's not even just God's dirt. 
It is God using your gifts to create a space where people can come into saving faith in Jesus Christ and say, man, this, this reminds me of God. It's beautiful. Maybe you've got teaching gifts. And you wouldn't even call them teaching gifts, but you would like to help out at Fierce Kids. And you're one of these ones. You, can, you don't have to like say anything, but you, you can direct kids. You can get them in a position, position where on their level they can receive Jesus the way that they would understand it. Or maybe you want to be intentional with folks that are a little, you know, a little older, maybe high school students, and you can lead them in a group and you can be just a conduit. You don't have to have all the answers. You're just a conduit for God's word going in for the kingdom being built, having your head in the game, saying, I'm going to do my best to just make progress. Come on, somebody. Say, Carter, well, do I have to? Good question. You don't have to in the sense that it's not like if you do this for God, okay, well, you're going to get a special train into heaven. Like, that's not what it is. As we've said, the only way to be right with God is by grace, through faith, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it, and that's all. You and I don't have to add anything to it. But I want you to consider this illustration. Let's say, now you would never do this, but it's a hypothetical here. You're on death row, okay? You're on death row for killing somebody. Yikes. That's what you leaped into. And there's one stipulation in the law, though. If somebody innocent comes and takes your penalty on death row, they just die for you, you go free. Now, you're aware that the gentleman or the lady that steps in to take your place, you're aware they have a family, you're aware they have priorities, things that they wanted to do, but they still willingly step in and take your place. Probably, if that really happened, there'd be something, you, you couldn't even help it. On the inside of you, there'd be something that says, I should spend the rest of my life serving that family. I should spend the rest of my life, because they loved those people, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life trying to, I can't pay them back, but I'm gonna try to pay them back by prioritizing their kids and their family and making sure, as far as it depends on me, I, everything I do is about helping them go forward because the only reason I'm here at all is because they paid the ultimate price. Well, that is what happened. That's what happened in Christ. Jesus takes our penalty. And instead of just being like, cool, I guess I just get to do whatever I want then. Hey, precious, yeah, you're free to do that, but why would you? Wouldn't it just be appropriate to say, he gave everything to me. I'm gonna make his family the priority of my life to demonstrate my appreciation and my love for him. Somebody can say, amen, anytime you're ready, hallelujah. Hey, um, we're almost there, but let me just, you, you just gotta try stuff, man. You just gotta take a step. Maybe, maybe it's go to fierce.church slash serve. Whatever it is, just try and try and try again. But here's what I'll tell you. God rarely drives parked cars. If we're just like in park and be like, I'm waiting, waiting for God to do something. No, like take it out of park, put it in drive and just go. God is so big. He will direct you where it's supposed to go. But we just have to, by faith, go. So are you hesitating? Are you lingering anywhere? Are you saying, I'll think about it again because I don't want to get it wrong. Hey man, think about it, pray about it. But then let's go. Because when God's done with something, he's done. And it's time to move on. How many think this is probably the best after Easter message you've ever heard in your whole doggone life? That's probably overselling it, but I just want to make sure you like it a little. Okay, so here's number four. We need to be urgent about being engaged, established, equipped, and then empowered. Empowered. And in particular, empowered about inviting people into relationship with God. So, so if we're going to go back and get some visuals again, we're thinking about, let's say there's this great garden 
this beautiful garden, this awesome garden, it's God's garden. And this is the point where we say, I'm gonna just like, I'm gonna increase this garden by six feet. I'm just gonna go six feet out. I'm gonna till the soil. I'm gonna plant some new stuff because I want God's garden to grow. That's the step that we're talking about here. You know what's so awesome about telling people about Jesus Christ and his love for them? Some of y'all aren't gonna have any clue what I'm talking about, but when I was a kid, there was these commercials on and Ed McMahon would come to people's houses with publishers clearing house sweepstakes with this giant jag and be like, ding dong, you won a million dollars. People were way more willing to answer the door back in those times. But that's a little bit what it's like to tell people about Jesus. And that's really what we're doing. Bing bong, you won a million dollars. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to pay for your own sin. Like God has got you. The best thing that could have happened to you happened. And now I just wanna, I wanna share the good news about it with you. So we're gonna jump back into one more little narrative where Jesus is trying to get the importance of his kingdom expanding and his love for people being expressed. He's talking to his disciples, telling them a story, saying, okay, there was this, this master and he invited everybody to his great banquet, but then they all began to make excuses. And so he said, hey man, look, I ain't gonna get stuck on these guys. I'm gonna invite everybody. So he says, I want my servants to go out and invite everybody they can find. Luke 14, 23. So the master said, go out in the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge every, anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. That is the heart of God. Not this house, not any other house, his house, his house in heaven. He says, I want this thing bursting at the seams because so many people know about the love of Jesus Christ. And, but here's what he's doing. He's saying, and so I'm giving you the ball. He says, people, if you've been forgiven, congratulations, you now have the ball. It's up to you now to expand the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's up to you and I now to build the roads. So I can tell you some things you're probably not qualified to do. Maybe a few of you, but most of you aren't qualified to do most of these. You're probably not qualified. You're not authorized to fly a plane. Probably not authorized, you know, to do surgery on somebody. Most of us, you probably wouldn't even be authorized to direct traffic. But can I tell you something dope? God says to you and me, you are authorized now to invite people into the greatest country in the history of the universe, the country of heaven. You're authorized. Receive the authorization. And, and you say, well, Carter, that sounds a little dangerous because what if I get it wrong? That's just God. That's how God rolls. It's almost scandalous sometimes how much he trusts us with. He says, yeah, it's a big deal. So do your best. Do your best, but do it. Don't wait. And so sometimes that comes through literally just inviting people. Inviting people to, you know, meet Christ. Often in our days, they need a little bit warming up, so it's inviting them to watch online. We produce all kinds of stuff that we put in the app and we put on social media, and really, I just call that cloud cover. That's stuff for you to share so that you don't have to make up a bunch of stuff. You know, there's this article on the website. Hey, just share that. That is just one inroad for anybody who's, like, open to that. Now you have a way to, well, why don't you take a next step and come on with me? But there's other things we do. Sometimes it's just demonstrating the gospel. Okay, so about a month and a half ago, we had a food drive. 150 families came through and got fed. And what we're saying there is we're just trying to extend the kingdom and say, Jesus just cares about you, yo. That's the first step of the gospel. God loves you. Jesus cares about you. Maybe that's something that would pull at your heartstrings for you to participate in. Either way, here's what we gotta know. You're authorized at the poker game. You're authorized when you go to the play with somebody. 
You're authorized with your professors and teachers. You're authorized with people on your team. Don't, don't worry if the world says you're authorized. You're authorized. God says you're authorized. Don't hesitate. Don't back up. When God says go, it's time to just go. You are authorized to do all these things. Now, here's what I found. I want to give you one warning about this. Then we're going to close down. Sometimes people are really zealous. And they're, they're trying to reach somebody, okay? So I'm, 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 I'm going to reach for somebody. Oh, let me pull you. Let me pull you into the kingdom. You know, and, and it's getting dangerous, okay? Because <laughs> they might fall. Be careful when you think you stand, lest you fall. And the truth is it's because they're here, but they're not really grounded in anything. They're just zealous. They're just like, hey, let's, let's pull them in. But when you, let's see the first pathway again. On that screen. They're trying to do the green. They're trying to do empowered, but they don't have the other ones in place. Anytime you only do one of these, you're gonna be imbalanced and you're in danger. You're in danger. Well, maybe it's a moral failure. You don't have backup or you don't have somebody that, that knows your stuff. There's nobody to call you on anything. You're in danger. But when we have all of them, we're urgent about all of them. Don't just be urgent about one. Don't be urgent about your favorite one. Start somewhere, but be urgent about all of them. Lean back my worship team peeps out. I want to give you a visual here. Let's say that someone spends a lot of time seeking God by being in, engaged. They spend a lot of time with other people. They spend a lot of time working on their gifts. Now I'm anchored. Check this out. I'm anchored to these guys. These are my other bases. They're holding me back. So now when I go to reach, I'm safe. I can grab somebody and pull them in because I was anchored to the other places. That's what God wants us to urgently do. Good job, guys. I don't know where this resonates for you, but I just want to ask you the question, what if getting urgent, what if just saying, I'm tired of talking about it, I'm just going to do it. What if letting go of excuses, what if you just got after it, what if that released miracles into your life? What if there's stuff that God always wanted to do, but he's waiting on you to take a step? What if there's breakthroughs that could come if we just said, you know, I'm, I'm sick of talking myself out of stuff. I'm just gonna do what I feel like God wants me to do. You say, Carter, what if I'm wrong about this? Check it out. You got God. He's got your back. Dude, he will tax the farthest star to bless the person who is prioritizing obedience. Let's bow our heads. Man, God, thank you so much that you don't leave us stagnating. You, you don't like the idea of us just like sitting around and beginning to decompose because we're not active enough. I don't know where this resonates for anybody watching online or anybody in the room right now, but I pray that you'd kindle something in us. I pray that you give us an urgency, not a franticness, not stressed out, but just an urgency to prioritize when God is moving to move. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. 
we'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.